0: Log Talk Radio
1: Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Makun Wong and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time, and with me as always is my co-host, Adam Aniba from the Burgundy Gold Report. How's it hanging, Adam?
0: Hey, it's good, man, just, you know, watching these pro days, you know, looking forward to the draft. We're less than two weeks away now.
1: I know. I know. And you're a busy, busy man, man. You're so much pro- I mean, it's actually, the Combine made it easier, because you could watch just that one, a uh, couple days, four days in a row, and now you, you're you watching tape all the time, basically every day on this stuff, aren't you?
0: Oh, definitely. You know, the, there's no substitute for the Combine, though, because everything is in question. You know right. what what scouts got the time, who was there. So yeah. I would rather have the combine but this will be a unique situation. So, you know, I'm just enjoying the process. But yeah, there's we we just hit eighteen player cards today, so we're gonna hit twenty this week and nice. try to get to you know, close to thirty before the draft. So right. you know on draft night it'll be really cool just to you know, talk about all the guys that you know, this is probably the most film I've ever watched during uh draft season, so yeah, definitely pumped.
1: That's going to be fantastic. Everyone should definitely check that out, by the way, at theburgundyandgoldreport.com. Fantastic content for the draft and the draft fans, so check it out. Hey, Adam, i got to ask you this. Did you see that entire Trevor Lawrence wedding gift fiasco thing that was going around? Yeah, I, I heard a little bit about it. Tell me more about it. Well, so uh, for those of you who don't know out there in uh, listener land, April 18th, Trevor Lawrence posted this on Twitter. He said, thank you, Jaguar fans. We really appreciate the wedding gifts and donations for charities of our choice. In addition to the donations, Marissa and I will be donating $20,000 to charities in Jacksonville. Thanks again. We hope to be part of your community soon. Wow. Okay, so anyway, the background there is that Jaguars fans were initially trying to raise money to buy a, quote, luxury toaster. On Lawrence's wedding registry, right. they cost $300, but when the fundraising reaches 11000 which is clearly much more than is necessary for a luxury toaster, the fans direct the money to supporting a charity that Lawrence supports. So, my big question to you, Adam, is what the heck is a luxury toaster? I mean, it makes freaking toast. How luxury can a toaster possibly be? And, you and you what know what? It's...
0: It, it- <laughs>
1: yeah, it, it's, it's
0: funny because it's going around every show that I've been like hearing about. They're right. Basically, they're smart toasters, so I don't know oh. what the range of price is but there's okay. these smart toasters and apparently they're unbelievable. Like you talk about like four level, five levels of like darkness, it takes that to another level so <laughs> okay. apparently like if you're into pop darts, things like that other than toast it's really right? like unbelievable but that's as far okay. as I know about it and honestly that's as far as I'll ever know because <laughs> I'm good with my toaster thing. So.
1: Okay, yeah I, I was going to say, you know, like does any person ever walk into a store and say like you know what I really need? I really need a $300 smart toaster. I mean, I guess maybe, right. maybe me and maybe I don't know. I burn my toast all the time, so maybe I do need a smart <laughs> toaster. But honestly, the, the quality of the Wonder Bread I throw in there probably isn't worthy of the $300 toaster. <laughs> anyway, interesting back and forth with uh, Trevor Lawrence. Hey, we got plenty to talk about today, including Alex Smith's retirement, the results of round one of the seventh annual Football Garbage Time Twitter NFL mock draft, all the hype surrounding Trey Lance, as well as both of his pro days, where all the QBs draft stock currently sits, our DIR prospect of the week, and much more so let's get rolling all right let's start with alex smith's retirement because the former number 1 overall pick has decided to hang them up after 16 seasons in the nfl seven to 49ers five of the chiefs three with washington Smith really hit his stride in 2017 when he had over 4,000 passing yards and threw for 26 touchdowns to just five interceptions, also running 355 yards on the score for Kansas City, leading them to the playoffs prior to being replaced by Patrick Mahomes and moving on to Washington. He then met with tragedy in 2018 of a gruesome leg injury that put not only his career but his life in jeopardy prior to miraculously returning in 2020 as the Washington football team's starting quarterback. Smith stated in Instagram, quote, two years ago, I was stuck in a wheelchair staring down at my mangled leg, wondering if I would be able to go on a walk again or play with my kids in the yard. On a routine play, I almost lost everything, but football wouldn't let me give up because, no, this isn't just a game. It's not just what happens between those white lines on Sunday afternoon. It's about the changes, the challenges, and the commitment they require. It's about how hard and how far you can push yourself, unquote. Reportedly, Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer, who coached Smith at Utah, tried to bring Smith to Jacksonville as a mentor for incoming rookie, I guess, Trevor Lawrence, because everyone seems to have taken that for granted now. But Smith instead decided to retire. Adam, what are your thoughts on Alex Smith, his career, and his impact on football, and specifically the Washington football team?
0: Right, and you know, of course, the the, the first discussion anytime, you know, quarterback that's first overall in, in in that class, and even though he was, you know, viewed as a bust early on for you know many years. Um, mm-hmm. so you always look at like where is he going to fall in that Hall of Fame area? That's what I first look at. So yes. 174 career games. So he went not, uh, So he had 35,000 yards and chains, just mm-hmm. under 1,200 yards, 109 interceptions. though, but a 62.6 career completion uh, uh completion average, uh, mm-hmm. uh, 2,604 rushing yards, and then I took to his playoff games. Seven playoff games started. Uh, 14 touchdowns, two interceptions. You look mm-hmm. at those numbers in a bubble, and you're like, wow, you know. The guy had a really good career, and you know, you start to stack him up against Young Montana that had those you know similar numbers. But the uh-huh. fact is, they played I played anywhere from thirty to thirty eight games less than him. So, mm. looking at all that, I think in Washington, you know, Washington definitely got him in on the tail end, regardless of the leg injury or not. I still think he was in the tail end of his career, anyways. And the story really, you know, it, it morphed into you know a testament of just how you know, much an athlete will do to keep going. And I think it it went as far as to the point that he even, you know, basically forced Washington to release him because he didn't want to retire. And after basically coming to the realization that there was no real options out there, he retired. So kudos to him. And, you know, look into his numbers. There are, you know, some definitely really great numbers. But in the end, he just, you know, he falls in that middle of the pack kind of quarterback in our era that was on some really good Kansas City teams. So.
1: Yeah, that's
0: as you know, as far as I take it, Washington get him is you know the long list of quarterbacks that they're still trying to find that guy since you know they've won a Super Bowl. So to me, you know, as far as the in Washington was just another veteran ad, but you know, kudos to him for again for you know really showing you know how much an athlete can do when you know they're really forced to you know put everything they got into it. So I give him credit for that, and the leadership skills are undeniable. But you know, as far as where he'll fall in the record books, yeah, in the middle of pack kind of quarterback.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I always kind of felt bad for Alex Smith. I mean, not because – I mean, he was the first overall pick, so I, I, you can't feel that bad for him because there are expectations right. when you're picked that high. But I also felt bad for him because when he was with the 49ers, he was dealing with, like, rotating um, rotating coaching staffs. So he really yes. never had a, a lot of consistency. And when he hit his stride with the 49ers, um, he was kind of Wally Pipped. You know, he got injured, and then basically he never got that job back. And, and then he moved on. And then when he went to the Chiefs, I think he became known as kind of the game manager. Like he wasn't going to be breaking right. any brains open for you, but he was a game manager. But that last season with the Chiefs prior to being replaced by Patrick Mahomes, I think there was something there. Like, you know, that 2017 season, he really looked like he was somebody that uh, could lead a team, perhaps, to a uh, Super Bowl. Championship, Although, you know, with the right parts and the right defense and so on and so right. forth. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think, obviously, the, the most memorable – unfortunately, the most memorable moment is him coming back from this injury and playing that first game in Washington and then watching his family react to it and all this other stuff. It's just, It's a great moment in football. And it also shows how much it means to the players to be out there. I mean, I remember – you know, that this this has happened, obviously, to, to many different quarterbacks, and it's hard to come back from this from a mental perspective as well as a physical perspective, and, and you can just imagine what Alex Smith had to go through to get there. So, you know, I, I can remember, you know, Kurt Warner, you know, I, I don't know if you remember this way back when there was that game between the Jets and the Cardinals where Kurt Warner... And, um, Brett Favre, (laughs) I believe, I mean, it's such a crazy thing to think about Brett Favre play for the Jets at one point, but when they were airing it out, it was like six touchdowns each and, and the last play of the game, Warner threw it over, Anquan Bolton got absolutely leveled and taken out and, um, hit in the face, you know, broke like a bunch of bones in his jaw. And he had that moment, you know, Kurt Warner had that moment where he said, wow, you know, in a split second, this is such a violent sport that, um, everything can be taken away from you. And he retired, you know, soon thereafter. Um, you know, not immediately, but soon thereafter. And, and he actually always commented that was kind of the turning point for his, for him thinking about it. And, you know, with Alex Smith, it happened to him. So I can imagine, kudos to him for making it all the way back from that. That's, that's tough stuff. Um, and we'll see, we'll see what the record, what the history books will, will say about him, but, uh, interesting move. And you're right. I guess there really wasn't an opportunity for him to do anything out there, um, for to start for another team. So, you know, that, that is what it is. And uh, on, on we go, on to the next topic, because we have been mock drafting, if people haven't been paying attention, at, hash, at hashtag FJT mock draft, the first round of the NFL draft. And we do this every year. This is the, actually the seventh annual uh, NFL mock draft that we've done over Twitter. And we're still in the middle of the second round, but we got those first round results. So hey, let's talk about that for a little bit, shall we? Uh, let me, I'm going to, what I'm going to do, I'm going to read it off to you. Um, just for the listeners' sake, because I know you lived it, uh, Adam. I'm going to read off the, the <laughs> five picks at a time, and I just want you to comment on them, this high level, You know whether you think it's reasonable, those are good picks, any particularly bad ones there, any particular good ones, that kind of thing. I think the first five are pretty rote, but it's interesting because the first five are quarterbacks. So we had the Jacksonville Jaguars and Chris Hopper of the Beer Fueled Fantasy Football Podcast drafted for them, picked Trevor Lawrence. I don't think there's any question there. I drafted for the Jets and took Zach Wilson. There is some question there, I think, between Jeff Fields and Zach Wilson uh, at the number three spot, Dan Theory from Beerfield Fantasy of Football podcast picked Justin fields and uh, and then, interestingly, um, we had um, Scott King from our site pick for Atlanta Falcons. he picked Trey Lance, um, so that was very interesting to me uh, that uh, obviously there's some talk about what the Atlanta Falcons will do there, and then the Bengals took Kyle Pitts, and that was your pick, Adam. Uh, obviously we have been huge man crushes on palpits all season, all off season For long. Sure. But, but tell us, what do you think about those first five picks?
0: Yeah, you know, it's going to be quarterback to any way, shape, or form how you look at it. You know, if it's the order, you know, the smoke out there is the 49ers and Mac Jones, and now the fields has entered the equation. But to me, it's been Lance all along because, you know, it's funny because the pro days now they're talking about how Shanahan, how they're, you know, the match. And I, I've been saying this since the beginning. I think the trade-up has always been for Lance. The pro mm-hmm. days just polarized, like, what he could be. So I think you kind of just flip-flop. You're going to move them around. So I don't think we're going to see um, the, first five, uh, the first four in a row be quarterbacks in this fashion because I think what happens is Falcons are definitely going to trade back. Um, mm-hmm. So somebody's just going to move up. So we'll be a quarterback there. But I think the question is where Fields and Mac Jones going to go in that order? Because one of them's going to go early. One of them is probably going to slip to you know maybe the seven or eight area. But you're still talking about five quarterbacks in the top ten. Yeah, so unbelievable. It, 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 it's absolutely crazy. And I think it, it, it's not just speculation. I think right now if you look at the Vegas odds, I think they said something like. Three quarterbacks is a definite. Four is possible, and five is you know it's fifty fifty. So wow. I think that now wow. they're talking about the line of six to seven quarterbacks total, Ooh. maybe eight going in the first round because that fifth year option good. in the back of the you know first round is going to attract teams you know reaching on some quarterbacks. But I think just to see the way the board fell like this, it's definitely a realistic. You know, if we talked about no trades and everything, it definitely right. makes sense the way the board fell. So
1: right, right, and there has been some talk about the Falcons thinking about moving on from Ryan, getting his heir apparent, because Ryan, Matt Ryan obviously is, is getting up there in age, and maybe he has two or three good seasons right. left. If you want to call the last couple of seasons good seasons, I don't know. Right. It depends on your perspective. <laughs> but, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. So let's go on to the next five. So now at six, we have the Dolphins. Uh, Wole from the urban sports scene picked Jamar Chase at six for the Dolphins. At seven, we had the Detroit Lions. Scott King from our side picked Penay Suel, the uh, offensive lineman there. For the Carolina Panthers, Chris Hopper again picked Patrick Sertain, the cornerback. And then at uh, nine, I picked for the Denver Broncos. I took Micah Parsons, the linebacker. And then 10, Joanne from our site picked J.C. Horn, the cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys. So what do you think about those five picks?
0: Again, I think they're on the money. The only thing I'm going to say is with the Dolphins. That's been the news of the day that they're open for business, to again, just to mm-hmm. trade back. So that's the mm-hmm. spot for everyone's talking about Denver if they haven't moved up to Washington. So I think that's where you'll see another quarterback go. So, you know, you just move, you know, certain, you know, down a little farther to where J.C. Horn went. J.C. Horn's awesome, but I think he'll go a little, you know, a couple picks after that. It's crazy to see, you know, Mika Parsons to think that. They're going to, you know, he's going to get formed over in um, uh, in Denver with what they have over there with, with Chubb and Miller. I don't know. That's <laughs> kind of like a gluttony of riches, and it sounds great. And, you know, as a Washington fan, we saw what they did. But I just don't see Elway doing that. So I think that mm-hmm. he'll probably go another direction. They, you know, they stacked with Judy last year or anything. I wonder if they will try to move up a couple of slots uh, to get their quarterback. But man, the way yep. it's fallen right here, again, realistic board. I really think that if you, you don't have trades, you know, I this this looks real. you know, I think this could definitely be the way it falls.
1: Yeah. And that's always, I think that's the tough part with the Broncos um, in particular, because if you're sitting at nine and you see four quarterbacks off the board in the first four, right. there's a question, it becomes a little bit of a question mark. I mean, do you really, do you, if you trade up who are you taking? Are you taking, are you trading up for Mac Jones um, in our draft, actually, I could have taken Mac Jones at nine, right. and and it was kind of an interesting thought process: that do I do that or do I wait for that second level? And I and, and just you know, spoiler alert: to Kyle Trash in the second round, um, and you know, and see let's see how that turns out. But that being said, it is it's a sticky situation because if they really want to get a guy they can count on, I feel like they got to move up pretty significantly. Right. Like, and, they, and I don't know well, where you, you go. About it also. Well, the yet. thing
0: is, also, you think about it, when you're talking about if a quarterback can flip there, even another position, like if they say, let's say Jamar Chase drops a little bit, you know, yeah. to go up to a couple splits, you know, that's like a, they'll probably give a third, maybe a fifth. They, so, of course, you know, they, they would be silly to do not do that. So I think you're going to see more trades in the top 15, 20 picks than we've seen in the last five years. So that makes wow. me wow. look forward to this the most, to be honest with you. We've already That's we're, we're going to be seeing more trades before even draft night. That's what's crazy. Teams are not going to wait for the board to fall. The Dolphins, I'm I'll, you know, it's not just the smoke. Number six pick that'll be traded before draft night.
1: Wow, that will be you know, that's what I love about this. I, I, I can't wait to see what kind of trades get pulled off in order to really, really mess with this entire draft because that's, there's a lot of great opportunities here for teams to get better, but there is certainly a lot of need for quarterbacks. All right, let's go to the next five here. So at number 11, we have the New York Giants. Joanne selected the Devont, uh, Devontae Smith, the wide receiver. At uh, 12, the Philadelphia Eagles. Chris Hopper selected Greg Newsom, Greg the cornerback. At number 13, for the Los Angeles Chargers, Wole, again, from the urban sports scene, selected Elijah Vera Tucker, defensive lineman. At 14, Dan Theory from the Beer Field Fantasy Football podcast picked Mac Jones, um, perhaps surprisingly, Mac Jones for the Minnesota Vikings. And then at 15, uh, Ryan Whitfield came back and took Jalen Waddell for those Patriots. So what do you think about those five?
0: Yeah, you know the one that stands out, of course, is Mac Jones. No way, all those five are all going to go within the top ten. But other than that, you know, the one that, as a as a Washington fan, it's that Devontae Smith going to the Giants. He's one of the guys that I thought could even slip farther, but. You're talking about a quarterback that I came in. I was down on, and he's, I think, struggled with you know with injuries and just a lot of issues, especially with his running back. Full strength, you know, they had a gala day, I think, with okay. what they have going over there. You know, Devontae Smith, scary. But I got to give Chris Hopper credit for that pick for Greg Newsome because I'll be honest with you, I, I watched a little of him. But then after I saw the pro day, I watched more film, and I was blown away. Greg Newsom, man, he might even go ahead of Horn, which is crazy. Wow. Because as, as good as Horn is. Um, Greg Newsom, he's a bigger corner he's he the way he plays I think you can move him all over the field so that's a great pick um Wole with the with the Tucker pick solid I agree because he can he can slide inside I think the team will try him outside first but you know he can play either um Jalen Waddle with the Patriots great value again I see them as you know a, a team that's moving up but yeah definitely solid picks
1: Yep, all right. So let's go to the next five. We have number 16, the Arizona Cardinals. We had Dan Theory taking Caleb Farley, the cornerback. At 17 for the Las Vegas Raiders, Joanne takes Jeremiah Owusu-Kuromoa, the linebacker out of Notre Dame. At 18, we had Wole taking Jalen Phillips for the Miami Dolphins. At 19, Adam, you step back in. You got Zaven Collins. I know how excited you were to get him, the linebacker. And at yeah. 20, Chris Hopper takes Rayshon Slater, the offensive lineman for the Chicago bears. So what do you think about those five?
0: What stands out for me? And I'll be curious to see, and I could be wrong. Cause again, you know, NFL scouts definitely know more, but without the the combine and getting the true medicals, I know Caleb Farley, that was two back surgeries. I believe he had within 16, mm-hmm. 17 months. I, I'd be mm-hmm. scared about taking him in the top 25 as Pete, you know, they're trying to find Peterson's replacement. I'm not sure you have to reach in the first round, I think there's some talent outside, so I could see them, you know, going another way. I could definitely see them looking at uh, Jeremiah oso Cormor. I could definitely see that they've mm-hmm. shown, you know, that they're looking at hybrids, similar to a lot of teams around the league. So, you know, we saw what they did last year with the Clemson kid. I could see him going there. Wole, um, again, you know, with the with the Dolphins, they're definitely looking for that edge. And Phillips, you know, hometown guy stays there. makes sense. And then Zayvon Collins, you know, I'm basically going against the grain from the beginning. You know, everybody, Bucky Brooks, is. they keep lining them up with the outside linebackers, not even a middle linebacker. I just think it's doing him a disservice. Uh, five interceptions, uh, excuse me, four interceptions in his final year, two for touchdowns. One was a 97-yard touchdown to end the game. Um, he's more than an outside linebacker. He's a drop-back coverage. Again, you'll hear from me, and, and it's just been echoed around, he is, you know, poor man's Brian Urlacher. So Zayvon Collins <laughs> with that washed in front of, you know, Chase, Young, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, John Allen, you're going to see this is a year that I think that they're going to go all out because next year... Washington will have, have a really hard time keeping that defensive line together because you have all those first-rounders, and what does that mean? It means it's going to come time to pay, and I think you're either going to think about well, Montez Sweat the long term or you're going to move one of those defensive tackles. Either Allen Durant Payne, I think, is in the, on the move because you've got Ionitis in there. But that Washington defense, that's, you know we could be talking about the number one defense end of the season. So you can add a guy like Zayvon Collins. This is a guy that's still going under the Raider. To me, the most underrated prospect in this draft. But, yeah, mm-hmm. great, great picks all up to there for sure.
1: Yep, yep, most definitely. And, of course, I'm super, super biased because being a Notre Dame guy, I'm a big fan of Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa and his uh, versatility. I mean, he's, um, he's not your typical linebacker there. So I think he's a great playmaker that uh, could be incredibly helpful um, for those Raiders. Anyway, let's move on to the next five here. 21, Indianapolis Colts Scott King takes Christian Dariusaw, the offensive lineman. At 22, for the Tennessee Titans, Adam, you came in and took Quiddy Pay, uh, the defensive end. And uh, I at 23 took for the Jets Tevin Jenkins, the offensive lineman. And at Pittsburgh Steelers, Scott King takes Najee Harris, the running back. And at 25, Chris Hopper takes Trayvon Morig-Boodard the safety. What do you think about that Yeah,
0: you know. Yeah, all solid picks. Don't you know, go through them fast. You know, the Bears. Rashawn Slayer, the fact that he dropped this far, it's crazy. So, to me, that's, that, that's probably the best value pick. That definitely make you happy if this happens. <laughs> <There's laughs> yeah, are all the so same definitely. thing. Um, you know, you are talking about Slater, Darisaw, Pay. These are all top fifteen guys dropping. Uh, Najee Harris just makes total sense for for the Steelers and, and MORG with the Jaguars. I think, you know, they tried that with with Siprin a couple years ago um, out of uh, out of uh, was it uh, Atlantic, but MORG yep. is definitely a better prospect. So, yeah, you know, great picks of those for sure. All, all day one starters, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and particularly I like the Steelers taking Najee Harris because no more James Conner. You know, and I, I didn't honestly right. think James Conner was. That great anyway, honestly. So it's it's time to shake it up, and that's the place they're going to shake it up. That's uh, good for them. All right, last couple picks. I'm going to go all the way through to the end of the first round here. So pick 26, the Cleveland Browns. Joanne takes Gregory Rousseau, the edge rusher. Uh, 27, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Dan Theory takes Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver. Uh, 28, Adam, you stepped in and took Rondale Moore, the wide receiver, for the New Orleans Saints. At 29, Dan Theory took Elijah Moore, the wide receiver. Uh, for the Green Bay Packers at 30, Joanne takes Travis Etienne, the running back on LSU, for the uh, Buffalo Bills, and at 31, um, I stepped in and took Jason Owa, the edge rusher for the Kansas City Chiefs, and then Scott King kept it off for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, taking Levi Onwuzuruike. Oh man, I can't pronounce his last name. <laughs> uh, the defensive tackle. So, what do you think about those uh, seven picks there?
0: Yeah, I definitely see it. I, I definitely see towards the end of round one, there's going to be a run on receivers. Like Bateman, I see you going earlier, but, you know, more with the, you know, durability questions. He could definitely slip. Elijah Moore is a stud, but, you know, that's really in the range. And same with, you know, Travis Etienne. It, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see if Pittsburgh, if they go the direction uh, with the Alabama kid or him, because Etienne is yeah. viewed as probably the top back in this draft just because he can I do love Etienne. more. And you know what, from what I hear in Pittsburgh, what they're probably going to be trying to do, Etienne might be the better fit there, so you could just flip those, flip off those. But, you know, we can say it in any order. It doesn't matter. But the way these picks are falling, I definitely see all these guys pretty much. Honestly, if, if I did one by myself, it would be pretty damn close. But the receivers at the end of the draft, I think... Uh, at the end of round one, I think teams are going to start to see that, and they're not going to want to wait till the pick comes in round two. So, yeah, I think this run on receivers will still con- – receivers and tight ends will, you know, continue early round two.
1: Yep, indeed they will, and it'll be very interesting to see how it all kind of turns around into round two, uh, as you say, as we're still mock drafting that. So, everyone follow us on Twitter at hashtag FGT Mock Draft. And you can see how it all turns out. And there'll be another article up at footballgarbagetime.com where each of the writers who have made their picks will put down their, their analysis as to why they made their particular picks. And, of course, we'll talk about it on our podcast. So we'll get it all broken down before you get to that draft. It'll be tons of fun. Hey, listen, since we're talking about all this draft stuff, let's talk about Trey Lance just really quick here because he had two pro days. And there's been a lot of hype about him recently. So what do you think here? Any any insight here? Anything notable here? regarding his two pro days or all the hype that we're hearing around where he might end up going
0: well you know as far as the the, the second pro day you could tell there was definitely an effort to you know work on some of the issues that he was being labeled with it was, was you know deep ball you know between the hash marks you know you know the quick passes but he showed it today and he really he ripped them off but in my opinion it just shows that he's working on his craft and i think It's good TV. It's good TV for fans out there because they get Mm -hmm. to see, especially with someone like Lance who really does not have that many games. Um, But I think what it did is you just see the whole body of work, the way he carries himself, everything. You know, people will disagree, but I just see way more upside on him, long-term upside over Mac Jones and Fields. I see Fields Mm -hmm. and Jones could probably maybe have early success you know that i think that they're a little more uh, all around as far as in the passing game but i think when lance gets it within you know 2 years to 3 years even if he's playing in the in, in those first couple of years i think he's just such a really good quarterback we talk about Russell Wilson and i'm not really comparing him but i'm thinking of the same idea when Russell Wilson came in the league and some of the things that he could do well which is you know uh move around and create um time for himself and that's something nice everyone's talking about Lance rushing you know uh, trucking people over I think what we'll see him do is actually run to create yards I've you know heard a lot of what his coaches have said a lot of what his team is talking about what kind of quarterback he wants to be so I think what we're seeing with Lance I'll keep coming back to it he fits Kyle Shanahan's system to a T, and I think with that you have the option if you keep Garoppolo to you know slowly move him in but if you want to bring him start him in right away you could do that RG three offense. It's really easy. A lot of zone read stuff. They'll have the running backs and receivers. Debo Samuel is a perfect, you know, Pierre Garcon kind of guy to have like they had when he was in Washington. So yeah, Lance in San Francisco, I just think it, it just makes so much sense.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you this question really quick, because I do want to give you some time for the DIR prospect of the week, but you know, we haven't talked about Zach Wilson today. And um, obviously because he's probably going to go to the jets, but that being said, not from the Jets' perspective, but you personally, if you were picking for your team, you're building around a quarterback, would it be Zach Wilson or Trey Lance?
0: Um, it's, a, it's a tough one. Um, I, I've watched both of them in and out, and it really depends what you're, you're, you're trying to do. And mm-hmm. I think if you're the Jets, I think Wilson just makes the most sense because you see what they're building over there with the receivers, those big boys, you know, Corey Davis, Mim, yep. you know, they, They're going to continue to, you know, and I, I think Etienne is a perfect fit over there. So I think what they have going over there, Wilson just makes perfect sense. So when we talk about Lance, it's about fit. And I as good as Lance is, I cannot tell you that he would fit all the teams in the top ten. I can't say right. that about Lawrence and Wilson. So that that's yep. where that's where the difference is fit. So, um, to me it's a no brainer. It's Wilson all day, but as far as in the end of their careers, Lance could end up having a better career but I, right. I would roll the dice um, um, way more quicker on Wilson. I just I just like his upside and all his all around game already.
1: Yeah, just watching him just makes me excited to watch football. That's the one thing I say, say about him. It could be a crash and burn, but I just I think he's an exciting player to watch as well. And, and New York, the Jets definitely need some excitement. So let's uh hey, You know what time it is? And I say Adam, hey, lay it on us.
0: All right. Uh, this week we have, you know, I'm looking at some of the later round guys, we get close to the draft and, you know, everyone wants to talk about some of the big names, JC, Horn, you know, uh, Sertain, but you know, I like to look at some of the undrafted guys so we can get a, you know, just a clue when we hear that, who's this guy? You know, maybe we'll hear from the Burgundy and Gold Report. But uh, <laughs> Shamar Dean Charles, <laughs> uh, Appalachian State. Um, not a big guy, 5'11", 180. But what I liked about him is he was able to line out outside and inside. And for the most part, when he was in game, he was not challenged. Only two interceptions over the past two seasons. But, again, that has to do with teams just really respect him. He's a really physical corner. Um, he doesn't have that ideal height like we're talking about. they the certain the, the in the horns of this draft. Um, but what I like about him, he has the transition um, to move inside, outside. And on special teams early, he's a plug-and-play kind of guy. guy. <clears throat> Excuse me, developmental kind of prospect that you could put on special teams right away. Will mm-hmm. he be that punt returner, kick returner for a team that, you know, looking for someone that average? I, I like the option because I like the speed. He didn't do too much of it at Appalachian State, but I really like him. But in the end, he's a developmental slot defender, and I really like what he can do um, on the outside as well. So I think if you're playing, if you're one of those teams playing press coverage, um, just a physical game with a you know a dominant defensive front, you know Washington, I you know I'm looking at corners, and I definitely look at someone like him in the undrafted range. But um, yeah, Shamar Jean Charles. Five eleven, one eighty. Appalachian State definitely got to keep on. You know, as soon as we get into that end of day three, teams with multiple seventh rounds are undrafted. I could definitely mm-hmm. see somebody taking a flyer on him in the in the within the seventh mm-hmm. round though. Uh, Shamar, Gene, Charles, Appalachian State.
1: Very nice. Another terrific DIR prospect of the week, which brings us to the end of our show. As always, Adam, anything you want to promo for us this week?
0: Oh, uh, it, it's it's busy every day. Today uh, we <laughs> dropped our two of our latest prospect cards. Uh, like I was saying, I Jackson Carmen from Clemson and um, Stevenson, Oklahoma, running back. But, again, we just hit 18. We're going to be having uh, try to kick out as many as possible, you know, between watching film, uh, going on shows. Uh, hopefully we're going to, you know, hit 25 cards before draft night. And, again, Brilliant. there's going to be so much going on. Uh, the Burgundy and Gold Report.com, um, you know, always on the show with you, of course. Um, but I'm also now um, on a new show now. Uh, we used to be um, known <laughs> as the Brawl Network. Uh, Now it's sideline sports. And uh, the third show, we're actually going to have Chris Russell, uh, who is formerly 106.7 The Fan, ESPN. So we'll have a good show there. Uh, That should be out at the end of the week. Uh, Check that out. So, yeah, draft time, definitely a lot going on. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned. The Com.
1: Terrific. Always great. Everyone go check it out. Like I said, it's for draft fans and it's their draft around the corner. So don't miss it. And don't forget to keep following us on Twitter at, at, at hashtag FGT mock draft as we continue the second round of the seventh annual football garbage time, Twitter NFL mock draft. Remember our friends across industry, including Woley from the urban sports scene, Chris and Dan from beer Fuels fantasy football podcast, Adam, of course from the burgundy and gold report and a bunch of us from right here on football garbage time participating. So follow us on that and check it out because we'll have an article coming out once we finish the second round alright you can follow me at on Twitter at FB Garbage Time thanks again for listening and wasting time with us and until next time NFL well enjoy your NFL week and get ready for the NFL Draft
0: that's right Draft AODC